Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your host, Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome in to the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner. It's a Friday, Scottsdale. Um, good day to be here. I'm going to spend some time at the pool this weekend, Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully, uh, hopefully those that are allowed are allowed to have some have some good times. And a lot of our listeners are in Arizona, so there's quite a few of you that are going to be able to enjoy Memorial Day. I um, hope everybody has a safe one. It's always one of those ones I want to remind people to be safe uh, over the weekend. And let's get into some football, guys, because we've got a couple of pieces of news, and then we're going to talk about the AFC East, what happened in the draft, what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, And it's an interesting division, the AFC East, because we're usually talking about the New England Patriots being the cream of the crop, uh, the top tier of this division, and this division's going to look a lot different this year. Um, So we we will get into that. But first, we're going to talk about a signing impact, the fantasy space. Carlos Hyde signs with Seattle. Jamie, initial uh, feedback or thoughts on Carlos Hyde going to Seattle as we've talked about, obviously, Carson's fumbling issues and Rashad Penny's injury issues. I think it makes perfect sense. We've heard for some time that Seattle's looking to add another back. Again, Penny's not going to start the season on time. Chris Carson, even despite his fumbling issues, as much as I like him, he he also has an injury history of his own. Uh, You need multiple backs now. I think Carlos Hyde's a really good fit. He played really well last season when he got the opportunity in Houston, uh, and I think he's going to be a great fit there. Yeah, I mean, I, he's bigger. You know, I, we talk, we've heard some other names. I, I think he fits the mold of Chris Carson, Penny. They're all about the same size. They run very similar. I think they're very interchangeable. I love the signing for Seattle. I think it's really smart to add depth at that position. Yeah, obviously we've talked about at length. Uh, this has been one of the, one of the teams we want to see add to its roster uh, to help with, obviously, with Russell Wilson. We, we were very critical of the roster management on our, on our previous podcast. So another addition to this team, seeing as, uh, obviously, uh, we talked at length about Carson's fumbling issues and Rashad Penny's issues. But on the last podcast, we talked about this. And of course, there's news about the Cowboys and Dak Prescott. We talked about how it would become a distraction and how we would hear about it all the time. Well, Guess what? We got some news about it. So uh, an apparent offer from the Cowboys for $35 million a year, six years, $106 million of a guaranteed Jamie. But Dak is saying no. Uh, what are your thoughts here on, on whether or not this is a deal that Dak should be saying yes to? Yeah, I mean, look, we're always team player, get your money. But I don't know how you turn down this kind of contract if you're Dak Prescott to be the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. I mean, he had a great season last year. He's, he's a really good player. But to expect $45 million a year and have a majority of that guaranteed, I, I just don't see it. I, he's not the quarterback that should be setting the precedent. The precedent should be set by Patrick Mahomes very soon. Deshaun Watson will be shortly behind him, which will be very interesting to see how those negotiations go, given the fact they traded his favorite weapon this offseason. But, I, you know, I, I look at this and I say, I don't understand what Dak is angling for. I don't think he's got public support behind him for this. I'm not quite sure what he thinks he's worth. I mean, $35 million a year is more than reasonable for what the production that he's been getting and what production he's going to have going forward. I'm, I'm very surprised that he's drawn this line in the sand of this allegedly reported $45 million number. Jake, Jake. $5 million was asinine. 
Yeah, I think Jake, to me, when you're talking about like, like we always say team, get your money, right? But yeah. over, but over a hundred million dollars guaranteed and also just know your worth, but also know reality, right? We're not talking about a Super Bowl winning quarterback or an NFC championship winning quarterback or multiple playoff winning quarter. I mean, I, I kind of, I'm looking at not even talking about a pro bowler. That's what I'm saying. I'm looking at this and I'm going, there is a disconnect here for me with Dak Prescott. And he's a good quarterback, but he's not a record-setting, top-tier, top three, top five quarterback in the league. And that's what this contract that he wants says he is. And I just don't see it. The contract, $106 million guaranteed. I don't know. Get your, get your money if you're the player. Take the deal. Uh, to, for Dak Prescott to be the highest paid player in the NFL in NFL history is asinine to me. I don't get it at all. For him to want $45 million in the last year of the contract, I say give it to him and cut his ass before you get there because you're going to have to restructure the $35 million a year you're offering him now in a couple years if you plan on having anybody else on that roster. Uh, I mean, Dak was, what, a fourth-round pick, fifth-round pick? Yep. I uh, became a starter, had a great rookie year, but he hadn't really done anything. I mean, to me, if I'm the Cowboys, and I've got Andy Dalton under contract, yeah, maybe he's not Dak, but he's 85% of Dak at $15 million a year, which is bargain basement money for a quarterback, and I got the rest of my team I can build around. I don't know how that doesn't make more sense at this point. If Dak wants to be this stubborn with putting the line in the sand, as Jamie said, I, I don't know. I mean, Dak, this is, the, this is what we don't know, too. It's like I hate one because he's a good kid. He's a smart yeah, kid. by all accounts. Families, agents, who you're listening to, who you're talking to in the building. Are you having any communication? Or are, they, are they all handling it for you? Because this is nuts. Turn down that contract to be Dak Prescott. I understand you've played cheap for a couple of years, but you weren't that good coming out. That's why you dropped the drop in the draft. You weren't supposed to be a starting quarterback. You are. You've done pretty well. To be the highest paid player in NFL history and you're turning it down? What this really tells me, though, is Dallas wants to get this done, so it's not an issue. So I think we're going to get it done before training camp rolls around and getting the guys actually get in there to work. But I don't know. It just baffles me. Yeah, it's, it's a, this is a weird one for me because I'm always about team the player. But, like, you're talking about generational wealth, like 106 well, million. We're always team dollars. the player. The player just got offered the richest contract in NFL That's history. what I'm saying. Like, I just I'm – yeah. looking, I'm looking at this and I'm going, man – somebody that doesn't belong in your ear is in your ear because the other part of this that I think is really interesting is when you're talking about Patrick Mahomes, you're talking about one, an MVP, two, a Super Bowl winner, and three, the complete identity of the Kansas City Chiefs football team. There's a problem for me when you talk about paying Dak Prescott this money because Ezekiel Elliott is the, is the identity of this offense. And that's where I think the disconnect for me has existed this whole time is I get making your quarterback the highest paid when it's, when it's dessert, right? When it's Aaron Rodgers, when it's Russell Wilson, when it's Patrick Mahomes, but Dak Prescott is not in that category. And that's is what he's Dak asking. Is Prescott the best player on that offense? No. No. Is he the second best player on that offense? I don't know. Amari Cooper might be the second best. I think Tyron Smith might be better than both. Smith, yeah. I'm going to go, gonna go with the, go third. Fourth, the fourth best player on that offense. That's a problem for me. Fourth. Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL. Yes. That's why you pay yes. him. Period. End of story. In the NFL. Right? MVP, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl champion. And he's been doing it for two years as a starter. Dak, you just – that makes no sense to me, how he's not the best player on his team or the best player on his offense. Not even the top three best players on his offense, in my opinion. And you're going to make him the highest paid player in the NFL. And he's going to turn it down. Like this isn't because we're team player. We are team player. 
You just got offered way yes. more than I think you're worth. Take the damn money. Yeah, I'm team player, but I'm also team reality, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I, I'm team player in a lot of situations because more often than not, the player is not getting the, the right deal or they're, they're getting undervalued. This is a complete over-evaluation. Team player like, needs to realize the reality you're talking about, that Andy Dalton might take his damn job. That's it's um, a lot less money. Because if Dallas is smart, they're having internal conversations going, hey, look, what is Dak? We're the frigging Cowboys. It's the star, not the player. And we could do a lot with all this money we're not going to give him. I don't know. It's an interesting – it's, it's as I said uh, on our last podcast when we talked about the NFC East, you guys should go back and listen to that podcast if you haven't. It was in-depth on all the teams and what they did in the draft. But we talked about at the top of that podcast how this DAC conversation is going to continue to be an issue for this football team if it's not done because it will be talked about on a national audience all year long. That's just what will happen, and it will create an issue. It, it's impossible for it not to. He's the quarterback of the freaking Dallas Cowboys, and we've had a quarantine for this many months, and we're going to be starved for sports content the second that there's actual live sports that happen. So I don't know. I think this is, this is a really weird one for me. I feel I, I'm always in the I'm always defending the player. This is the one time I wish it was like a friend where I was sitting him down going, man, I don't know if it's your mom or your friend or your agent or whoever it is, but you need to take this deal. And you need to be like, uh, where can I sign? I need to go there right now, sign the deal and be very happy about it. But we'll see. I don't know. Yo, to, I, I really want, we should do a study. I want to see completion percentage, throws down the field. Andy Dalton's been in the playoffs more times than Dak Prescott has. Yep. I think he's a better throw of the football than Dak Prescott. I don't think he'd have any problem at all running that offense damn near as efficiently. He's just not as athletic, doesn't move around a lot. But Dak doesn't really run a ton either. He'll run in the red zone when he needs to. You added some weapons. To me, they might be better off with Andy Dalton, especially if you consider the money. I think it's worth a conversation. And I like Dak. I think it's fine. But you're talking about – look what happened with the Packers. They gave Aaron that money. They're going to have to restructure it. Every time Ben gets a contract, you got to go back the next year and restructure it and give somebody something. You got to take – it doesn't matter. You're going to hold out for all this so you can have the headlines. An agent wants the headlines of the most guaranteed money and the biggest contract ever. And six months from now, when the season's over, they're restructuring because they got to sign somebody before, you know, for agency gets here. It's – to me, it's – it's yeah, I don't know. The last thing I'll say here on this is I have a problem with a 7-9 and nine team coming off that season they just had with all that talent. I don't care about what Dak Prescott did statistically. What matters is at the end of the year, that team was sitting at home watching the playoffs where Carson Wentz took a literal skeleton version of his offense to beat that team to get to the postseason. I just, I can't, that's where I look at that and I go down the stretch. When I saw mano y mano, Carson Wentz with nobody versus Dak Prescott and that arsenal, I saw who the better quarterback was by a mile oh, and that by a mile comparison. and, and I, and, and Dak is asking to be paid like he is the guy who put up an MVP season and he's not. So I, I, I think this is going to be really interesting to track. And uh, as, as we know, Cowboys fans are all over the map with this discussion. I've seen plenty of dialogue uh, back and forth and, and listen, we'll, we'll see. I, I tend to believe that Dak Prescott will end up getting money and, and they'll get this deal done. 
right, guys. AFC East will will uh, will start off here with the uh, with the Buffalo Bills, right? So they obviously they made a trade in uh, in the free agency period, so they they got themselves Stephon Diggs, right? So you saw them uh, not in the first round, uh, but with some of their picks on the highlights here, AJ Epinesa. Uh, a guy that a lot of people liked had a disappointing combine, but a lot of people, a lot of upside there. Zach Moss, Gabriel Davis, uh, Jake Fromm, Tyler Bass, Isaiah Hodges, Dane Jackson. Jamie, when you look at this team, obviously took a step forward last year. Want to take a step forward again this year. Eight and a half, the win total for, for the old Buffalo Bills. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on what they did in the draft? And, and maybe, you know, obviously – Got to keep the Stephon Diggs part of this yeah. evaluation as like, okay, they didn't have a first rounder. They added a, a starter on offense, but this is who they drafted. What were your overall thoughts here? I would I'd say they had a good draft. I wouldn't call it great, uh, but I, I, I liked, uh, you know, Epinesa. They needed to add to their pass rush. Zach Moss is going to be interesting back both for real life and fantasy purposes because it just, it felt like all off season, they were always trying to find someone else along with Devin Singletary, which kind of tells me they either don't want him or don't think he can handle the load or don't want him to, I should say, not they don't want him, but don't want him to handle a 20-plus touch-per-game load. So we need to see how, we have, uh, how he works in. You know, the Jake Fromm pick in the fifth round, uh, the value, I, th- I understand why you take him. I'm a little – all the things that you'd be concerned about with Jake Fromm concern you even more given the where Buffalo plays and the weather elements there. But uh, at that value, it's hard to knock that pick. And I think they might have gotten the best kicker in the draft with Tyler Bass, who had a phenomenal senior bowl. Uh, I, I thought he was worth – he was a guy I wrote about as throwing a couple bucks on maybe to be the first kicker taken. I think he was second. Uh, but I, I thought they were pretty solid. Uh, this is a really solid team, but it's weird. It, it's Even though this division is as open as it is, and they're, they're going to win this division in my estimation, I still think they're a you know, nine-ish win team. Uh, I don't think they're a dominant team. I still have some concerns for them. Uh, I still have some concerns when they get to the postseason, particularly when they have to go on the road at some point. Uh, but as far as this draft, if you include, you know, Stefan Diggs in here, which again is a nice other weapon for Josh Allen. Again, I want to see how much they throw. Uh, you know, <laughs> they, they, yeah. they threw more a little bit last year than they did two years ago, but are they going to throw a lot? John Brown took up a lot of target share. Does he, are you just t- ripping all of his targets or a bunch of his targets away to give them to Diggs? Like, I still think there's a lot more question marks around how this offense is going to shake out in terms of both fantasy and real life perspective. But I thought they were pretty solid in this draft, but this division is just kind of okay. Uh, It's okay. They're all, they're all okay. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, But okay is really all I feel about this, this draft. They've really become the Carolina Panthers with a colder, blustery climate, yeah. right? I mean, I love what McDermott's doing. It reminds me a lot of Ron Rivera. This was a meat and potatoes thing. Epinesa I like a lot. I like Zach Moss. I think the kid could be explosive. He was really, really good at Utah at times. Um, the Jake Fromm thing is interesting. You have a leader. He's going to be great in the quarterback room. He's going to know the offense. But you could not be more polar opposite than Josh Allen. He has, little, he has probably the worst arm in the NFL versus maybe the strongest arm in the NFL. Yeah. So whatever offense you're putting in for Josh Allen, when Jamie was talking about that climate, if he gets hurt and Fromm comes in to be the backup, you're not running the same thing. So if you're running a bunch of 15-yard digs from the opposite hash, Jake Fromm can't make that throw in the NFL. That's why he's in the fifth round. That one was interesting. I, I mean, I like the value you take him there because he's, you know, Allen's – but Allen runs. He got knocked out the first time they played New England, right? I mean, that was uh, – it's interesting. I don't know. I mean, he's, but he's a really, really solid guy. He's going to fit right in. I mean, it was okay. I like the value of it. Uh, but I really like Moss. I, I think that was uh, – Singletary was really good in a complimentary role. But as Jamie said, I'm not sure they think or we, any of us think, 
he can be the guy. But I think Moss can be take those Frank Gore carries and they can kind of split that. I think just adds another weapon. I like what they did. I mean, they're it's Buffalo, right? They're we'll go wings and blue cheese instead of meat and potatoes for them. But <laughs> uh, it was solid, and I, I like McDermott. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna be right where Jamie's talking about. Maybe a little bit better because I think they're that well coached. I think it a lot is obviously contingent on what Josh Allen does this year. Obviously, takes another step forward. You saw him do that this year. Um, I think he will. Yeah, I, I think he will too. But I'm, I'm with Jamie. I think this division is all as you'll see in the win totals that I discussed. There's not a big difference between the bottom and the top here because they're all kind of bunched together. So I think it'll be interesting um, for the first time in a long time. This division is going to be interesting. We haven't said yeah. that in, in quite some time. Draft grades. I, I definitely want that. So Jamie, what are you what are you giving this team? I uh, give him a B. I mean, again, it was fine. And, and I want to be clear, I'm not down on Buffalo. Uh, no. I think they're going to win nine games. I think they win this division. But I, th- I think it's important because a lot of times this gets missed in this conversation. It's important to delineate between good teams and great teams. And right now, I don't think Buffalo is in the great team category yet. They're in the good team category. They can beat a great team if needed. They, they, they're going to be a team, I think, is in the postseason because they win that division, have a home playoff game. But I still think there's some steps they need to take. And back in the backfield, some tips steps even on defense. I need to see it tangibly made on the field. And even another step forward for Josh Allen before I put them into even the bottom of the great category among NFL teams. Yeah, again, I don't think they're great either. I think they're, they're good. And if they get to a playoff game and play at home, that place is hard to play in January. Uh, I'd give you go B, B minus. I'll give him a B with Stephon Diggs, B plus with Stephon Diggs. But yeah. you know, B minus. It was solid. It was, it was wings and blue cheese. I mean, it, was, it was good for what they do. They filled holes. And they got better. Yeah. It's, it was very Buffalo, right? It's a, not a lot of splash here. Other than the Stephon Diggs, this really could be, uh, could be very interesting. Sean McDermott is a no BS type of guy, right? Zimmer's that way too. Um, but we'll be interesting to see if maybe an environmental change um, quiets Stephon Diggs a little bit. We'll, it's we'll not going to quiet him. He's not going to get anywhere near the targets he was getting in Minnesota, especially yeah, when I, I, they were throwing all over the place. It's so. my one, that's my one wild card here with this team is, is does that become an issue? For Nor are team? they going to win that much. I mean, he was winning and getting catches in Minnesota and you still had issues. So I, I don't know that they're going to win as many games as they did in Minnesota. He's not going to get as many balls as he got in Minnesota. Yeah. It's, it's going to be another one for us to watch and, and especially talk about fantasy value um, as we start to evaluate some of these changes. The Miami Dolphins, obviously the talk of this draft with, uh, you know, so many picks in the first round, what were they going to do? They go to a Tonga Bailoa, right? Uh, they end up getting their guy, uh, Austin Jackson, Noah Benogany, Robert Hunt, Raekwon Davis, Brandon Jones, Solomon Kidney, Curtis Weaver, Blake Ferguson, Malcolm Perry. Man, they had a yeah, lot of They had of a picks. thousand picks. Yeah, they, had a they lot. picked everybody. Yeah, they picked a lot of people here. But the big ones, obviously, up at the top, you know, Jackson, Tua, Noah, obviously going cornerback, you know, addressing the offensive line, quarterback. They, they really, you know, they really made a lot of the fact that they were really thinking about Justin Herbert or Tua. So I think that was, that was what we were all kind of – waiting on for this draft but listen the tank for the tank for Tua stuff was Miami and Tua this whole time and he ends up going there so Jake when you look at this and you look at this team a team that ended up you know winning five games and playing hard down the stretch and and really proving to me that Brian Flores I think is is going to be a hell of a coach uh, because he he had general manager making this roster really bad trading everybody away but that team 
for what they had rallied. And, and I think they, they have an opportunity to grow this year. Uh, what are your thoughts? Oh, he damn sure in my respect. We talked about that last year. That team played their asses off for him with nobody. Uh, it was interesting. You know, Jamie and I talked, we did our mocks, man. Miami was in a weird spot. They had three first round picks, but all three of them came in a really weird spot. We got the smoke screen that we didn't get from everybody else. They took to it. That was their guy. They threw out the Herbert thing. Everybody bit on it. Uh, I like that. I love that Fitzpatrick's there and he's not going to have to play. They don't, they're not rushing him. Uh, Austin Jackson's not ready yet, but I think he's going to be really good. At left tackle is really, really young. Great kid. Uh, so if he doesn't have to play right away, you're not expecting to win a lot of games. So when we, we project their draft compared to a lot of other people, it is down the road. It's not right now, right? Like we're not expecting them this, like a lot of these teams we've been doing this. You know, it was solid. Uh, they added a few offensive linemen. Uh, Noah, the kid from Auburn, super fast. It was an yeah. interesting pick there. They, they must have really liked him. Uh, they must think he fits what they do. Very Patriots thing to do at that point. Um, <laughs> It, it was interesting. They went outside the box. A lot of people didn't have them taking the guys that they took, but it was solid. Mm-hmm. And they had a hell of an offseason. They got better. You're not going to want to play them. You're not going to want to play them with fits with nothing to lose. because There's no expectations on this team at all other than to flash here and there and see some of these young guys go. Uh, but this offseason as a whole completely remade this roster. I love what they did. And the draft was, was good. I don't know if it was great, but it was, it was really solid. Yeah, look, it, it's tough to get a bad grade when you have three first-round picks, two second-round picks. I mean, you pick three – you pick, what, one, two, three, four, five, six guys in the top 70? Yeah. I mean, you really have to have a bad draft to not at least get a decent grade there. Uh, I am echo pretty much all of Jake Sentiments. Uh, you know, look, Tua, for, for many, was always the second-best quarterback in this draft class. Once Burrow emerged as the clear number one, he can sit for a while. Fitzpatrick showed you plenty last season to show that as long as he's healthy, he's going to be out there, be your starter – let him be your starter all year. Like, I, there's absolutely no issues for me if they just redshirt Tua for the whole season. It's probably what the best-case scenario would be for everybody involved, even though I'm sure Tua's competitive enough and wants to get on the field. It's probably best for his long term to be redshirted. Uh, Austin Jackson, when he starts, a big dude. Uh, actually, we uh, at, at our former company at FanRag, we actually did a story. We visited him uh, at North Canyon High School uh, when he made his commitment to USC. And he is a massive dude. Uh, so he, once he gets up to speed, which might not be till year two, I think he's going to be a very valuable asset to them and less of a project than Josh Jones would have been who I, and a lot of people projected him going to Miami in that spot where he ended up going to Arizona, I believe in round three, uh, and Igben, uh, and Noah, and I don't even try the name. I had it on the video I did before, but I don't have enough. Igben Nigany. Close. Close enough. Yeah, you're close. Uh, speed. Speed, speed, speed. I mean, he's a track yeah, star. He's, yeah, he's fast. Both his parents are track stars. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how he uh, meshes into the secondary, especially now they have Byron Jones. They have a one. So to see where he fits in. Oh, by the way, they have Xavier Howard. And Xavier yeah. Howard. So, like, I want to see if he's just the guy that they're going to put on John Brown. They're going to put on some of these other guys. Uh, Brashad Perriman. Uh, and just to see if they're going to match him up with those types of players early on. And Solomon uh, Kinley, I thought, in the fourth round, was a pretty solid pick to guard out of Georgia as they start to rebuild this offensive line. So I thought they had a pretty solid draft. They didn't blow me away, as Jake said. They kind of had those last two picks in the first round. They were kind of in weird spots where they were in those pockets where, you know, the top tackles were going to be off the board by the time Tampa finished picking, and the top tackles were off the board by the time Tampa finished picking. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm moving back from 25 to 30 to get the corner that they wanted. So, But they still had a really solid draft. I would give them an A-. minus. Yeah, they listen, they – they had a lot of capital, so it's hard not to look at it and go, hey, they had, they had a pretty good draft because they drafted a lot. But if Tua hits, this is a good draft. 
Like you hit on a quarterback and that's all, and that's, and that's all that matters. And, and I think as Jake pointed out earlier, um, you know, this is kind of the best case scenario for Tua because he doesn't have to go to a situation where he's going to have pressure to play early. And you have a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick who will be everything that he needs him to be. Right. I mean, he's just, that's, he, he's such a, I, I really love watching Fitz play and he's so fun. And I think it'll be great for Tua to have that opportunity. And obviously they, this team just made so many moves in the off season that this defense I think is all ultimately going to become a really, really fun uh, side of the football to watch. So a minus from Jamie, Jake, what are, what's your draft grade here? I'll go a minus as well. I mean, it could yeah. be an a plus if you end up getting Tua, who some people have projected to be that kind of player and he turns into that it's an a plus. Absolutely. But it's gotta be an a minus now because there's a lot of projects. I mean, these guys are young. Noah is it Igbenogany. Yep. Yeah, I think you got right. it there. You got it. Um, that's a project, super speed, and you have other guys there. But when we talked about well, how we graded some of these other teams with instant starters and those kind of things, their first three picks of the first round, three first-round picks, none of them are going to start. Yeah. And the I, other I don't thing think that, – No, I agree. The other thing to keep in mind, too, was uh, – and to add to this part is I like their draft trade for Matt Breda. Uh, yeah. I think he yes. – That kind of speed, add him to Jordan Howard because uh, Breda does very have some point. injury concerns. Uh, I, I, I like that combination because again, they are very, it's, it's cliche, but it is very much the thunder lightning co- uh, combination of running back that I'm excited to see how they work. Cause they absolutely needed somebody that could catch the ball out of the backfield and be a speed threat with all due respect to miles Gaskin and Patrick Laird and all those guys. Those are not NFL starting caliber running backs. No. Great uh, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, Jamie, because they were, uh, you know, a lot of fans were looking or projecting them to, to draft a running back. And I think they ended up getting really good value. Um, and are going to have, you know, Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, and it's probably going to end up being a really, really good one-two punch for that team. All right, the New England Patriots, obviously, we've talked about ad nauseum, uh, what this, this offseason has looked like. They're still the favorite to win this division. In spite of all this stuff, they're still the favorite. So, uh, that one is interesting to me. I almost wonder – sorry, Paige, I didn't mean to cut no, you off. Ahead. I almost wonder if that's because sportsbooks are uh, worried about liability. That screams to me if they've made the Patriots underdogs and made them plus odds to win the division, they'd be so afraid they'd take too many bets on that that they wouldn't be able to get to that close to 50-50 split or I guess 25% across the board split they want to be at because it doesn't make any sense to me from a football perspective. They also – I think they got to wait to see what comes out of camp and, and what the quarterback situation is going to be, you know, because I think everybody's still like, what is this, right? Like I think it's like, yes, they like Stidham, yes, they, but it's like we still – we haven't seen this with our eyes. We don't know what this looks like. There's so much unknown with this team – um, but I'm, I'm guessing what you're saying, Jamie, is happening because uh, they're just afraid to, to make that move and then all of a sudden something happens and, and, and it changes, obviously. So let's go, let's go through their, some of their draft capital here. Josh Uche, uh, Kyle Duggar, Dalton Keene, um, Anthony Je- uh, Jennings, uh, Dustin Woodard. Um, it, it, listen, they're <laughs> – I look at their draft and I am like, okay, Patriots, like it, it wasn't, there wasn't, I don't look at any of these players and go, oh my gosh, what a life altering pick for the, for this team. Um, and I think the biggest headline here for them was uh, everybody kind of thought they might be in the mix for a quarterback early um, and they weren't. And I think that tells you a lot about what, what the situation is. Uh, right now in New England. So Jake, I'll let you go first. Your thoughts on what the Patriots did uh, during the draft. 
very Patriot-esque. Uh, you took Duggar, the safety, who flashed at the, at the Senior Bowl, big, pretty dude, but from a tiny school who's raw as he can be. They re just recently re-signed Patrick Chung, I think, because of that, mm -hmm. uh, to a cheap two-year deal to keep him around. Uh, it was okay. Like, it's so hard to grade the Patriots drafts because they're so out of the box compared to everybody else. Um, I didn't think they were a quarterback. I, I, if they had taken Jordan Love in the first round, I don't think he has a chance of beating out Stidham. Stidham knows the offense. They can flat sling it. I'm telling you, if you put him just out in street clothes at the combine for the last three or four years, Stidham is going to be in the, those top three or four guys that can spin it. I don't know how he's going to play. And how he's, I mean, he's replacing Tom Brady. So, like, that, that part is whatever. But he can spin it. I don't know who they were going to take that's going to look any better. And he already knows their offense. Jordan Love is a project. Mm -hmm. I mean, project. He needs to sit for a while. Uh, but it was – I don't, I don't know. I never know what they do in the draft. Okay. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, like, very Patriot-esque. Yeah. I mean, they, they always, they read from a different playbook than everybody else. And sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. And I, I think we've, we've talked on the show a few different times about how we always remember because there are numerous, don't get me wrong, but we always remember Belichick's successes and we kind of forget some of the players that either he drafted that were, did not work out or that he traded away that still had plenty left in the tank, you know, like Chandler Jones. Uh, but, you know, I mean, so there, there are things like that. Well, no, I just think it's, it, you have to be fair. And I think this show is pretty good about being fair and looking at yeah. both sides of, no, of this, you, of that. Not look, bringing got, up, yeah, not bringing up Chandler would be a rings. disservice. Yeah, I, for sure. He gets, he, gets, uh, he gets the most leeway of anybody in the NFL, but there you're still fair to bring up some of the misses. But uh, I'm looking, I'm interested to see how, how Kyle Duggar fits in over time. Obviously, uh, not somebody that, I was somebody watched up going into the draft, but not somebody I watched one second of football during the season. I don't even know if you can watch their uh, Lenore Ryan's games on even online. Uh, Uche is interesting, but I don't know where he's going to play. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know what he, what his role is going to be. I mean, the Belichick can find something for him. Great. Uh, he's got tools, but he doesn't have a position or everything put together yet. Uh, you know, the, the, the back to back tight ends in the third round there could be interesting. Could not be. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I think that the Belichick hasn't really run that, two tight end offense in a while, uh, pretty much since Martellus Bennett left. I mean, that was the last time they really ran that, that two tight end offense and that, that, you know, freaked out everybody when Hernandez and Gronk and for a while Martellus Bennett were all putting up these huge numbers from that spot. So I also want to see how this offense looks without Tom Brady. I mean, there are, you are going to have to change certain things. Stidham can do things right now. And so raw, raw arm strength wise that Brady hasn't done in a little bit or wasn't opened up to do. How does that change the way Edelman's used in the offense? How does Nikhil Harry fit in in year two? You know, where's Muhammad Sanu? I mean, so it's this whole offense is kind of in flux right now. I don't know where the two tight ends fit in, but it's hard to give it. It's hard. Like Jake said, hard to give them a definitive draft grade because they're reading off a, they're reading a different language than other teams right now. Yeah. So for, for better and worse. For sure. They definitely, they're on a Patriot scale, but we'll do our best here to give draft grades away because I know uh, we've done it for every team. So we still got to do it for the Pats. Jamie, I'll let you go first. You're giving the Patriots on the regular person scale because yeah. we're not grading off the Patriot scale. Uh, I'll give them a C plus. Okay. I think that's fair. Jake. C plus. I mean, I, we go back to, the reason they didn't have a second-round pick, they traded for Muhammad Sanu. That was mm – -hmm. I mean, you go back and look at what some of these people have been getting for – I mean, the Eagles traded a six for Marquise Goodwin. Yeah. You traded a two during the season because you're panicked for Muhammad Sanu, so that, that really hurt your draft. Uh, so I was C-plus. I mean, on a, on a regular person scale of what, what we've been using to grade this, not a lot of instant starters on a team that needs some because they lost a lot of players. 
So yeah. I go see. That's, that's a good point. It was interesting. That's a good point too, because this is a weird, like I know they're favored to win the division and all that, but I, I very much feel like this is a, at least in their mind, best case scenario, a one-year transition year for them. Uh, get Stidham some reps in that offense, figure out the running back situation, who you're going to go with going forward. I mean, they still have Damian Harris there that wasn't used much along with Michelle and White and Burkhead and the 80,000 backs they always bring in there. <laughs> uh, but I kind of feel like this is a, let's take a step back slightly. Let's breathe. Let's see what we have. We're still going to be competitive. But I don't, I don't look at this team as a in-win-now mode, despite the age of their, their head coach. Yeah, I don't think you can. It's not a fair evaluation of where the team is now. The fan base and, and what they say might look a lot different. But I think if they're internally having discussions and they're very honest about where they are, can't, can't imagine that this is a team that thinks they're going to go play with the top-tier teams in the AFC this year, just based strictly off the, off the roster. But – Crazier things have happened. I, I, I won't doubt Belichick until I see uh, something different out on the field. So uh, last, last part of this division, we're going to talk about the New York Jets, who signed a one-year deal with Joe Flacco today. So it uh, wanted that. a little piece of news there, just obviously having a, a veteran QB. Um, you know, Sam Darnold doesn't really have injury issues. He just had a health issue. Uh, won't, so get, won't get mono again. So yeah, won't okay. get, not going to get mono again, but definitely something, you know, never a bad thing to have a veteran presence uh, with a young guy like, like Sam Darnold. So I didn't want to mention that before we get into their draft pick. So they, they go Makai Becton, obviously with their first overall pick uh, help with that offensive line, Denzel Mims, Jabari Zuniga, Ashton Davis, Cameron Clark, James Morgan, Michael P Ryan, Bryce Hall, Braden Mann. Uh, listen, this was actually a team that I think, Collectively, the TDN, uh, the TDN staff was pretty happy with what this team did across the board uh, with their draft capital, um, especially, obviously, a lot of excitement to get Mekhi Becton and Denzel Mims and, and Zuniga and Davis and Bryce Hall. You're just getting a lot of players that they, that they know and, and getting them into a system, and hopefully this team can get a lot better with the full season of Sam Darnold. So, Jake, when you look at what this team did and the players they brought in, what is your overall thoughts on, on their draft? Absolutely love it. Absolutely love what they did. Makai Becton, a little bit of a project. And they need to get their hands on him and mold him. They're going to have to coach him up. Uh, they were pretty simple with what he did at Louisville. But, I, you know, big, pretty son of a bitch with phenomenal feet. I, I love that. Uh, to get Denzel Mims in the second round, <laughs> who's basically like Rashad Perriman, big and really fast, be interesting if he takes his place or if they end up playing together and Perriman comes back for he's only on a one-year deal. Mm -hmm. uh, love Bryce Hall. Late, later on, he, he dropped because of the 40 time and some stuff, but he's a high-character guy that, uh, you know, I think was a captain at Virginia. Uh, Zuniga, I like. Uh, and I like Pirine, uh, back from Florida. Yeah. Uh, another catches it well, does a lot of stuff, played in that Dan Mullins offense down there. I love what they did. They added a bunch of guys that could be a young nucleus moving forward when you already have your franchise quarterback. I liked it. I mean, I, I just, I, I'd give it, a, I'd give it an A. Uh, I'll go ahead and give you my grade now, but I, I really like what they did. They were all high character guys. There weren't any reaches really, um, but I think they're all. A lot of them are going to have a, a pretty immediate impact, and I think they're all going to have an immediate impact for a while. I think they'll all be Jets for a, for a significant future. Yeah, I, I was pretty happy with the draft as well. Look, Becton's got some uh, – he's, he's a little bit raw, especially for a top 11 pick, but that's a tremendous need for the Jets. He's got all the skills you need. Remind, it, It's a different position, and I, I'm only making the comp to 
what happens sometimes when you take a raw offensive lineman that has all the skills you want to see. Remember what people were saying about Ali Marpet coming out. Different player, all about different position, all the other stuff. But talk about a guy that you say you give a little bit of time that has elite raw skills in so many areas, what you could potentially get. And that's, that is what the upside could be, although at tackle. Uh, from They'll be really team. happy if that's the case, Jamie. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and part of it was with Marpet was small school, all the other stuff. But still, uh, but to Jake's point, getting Denzel Mims because Jets Nation was losing their mind in the second round. You watch two receivers go off at the very top of that. They're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. And as you know, Jets fans aren't very patient. And to be fair, I can understand why. It's not like the organization's got the greatest history of all time of making moves. But getting Denzel Mims, who has the ability, again, 50-50 ball guy, uh, shows a willingness to block uh, at the receiver position, which helped get him on the field early on. Uh, it's going to be exciting to see how they use him in the offense with Perriman. You already got Crowder in the slot. Uh, you know, you saw flashes from Griffin at tight end last year. So it'll be interesting how that, see how that offense works. And I think, as you were saying, P. Ryan's going to play a role. Uh, he, he's a really interesting player. We all know Adam Gase hates Le'Veon Bell. So we already know this already. So at some point, uh, I think P. Ryan's going to get a little bit of work in. Uh, I say that almost in jest. I like the Bryce Hall pick as well. They got the best punter in the draft in, in Braden Mann. Uh, I, I thought they were really solid throughout. And I think people are sleeping on the Jets a little bit. And I think yeah. people are sleeping on Sam Darnold a lot. And I think people have forgotten. Uh, because of that little stretch where he was out with Mono and they were really playing, I mean, Luke Falk, and I mean, they were playing just that was I mean, bad. essentially guys off the street, for lack of a better Maybe It's phrase. what we say all the time, right? That, yeah. No matter what you do the first eight weeks of the season, that's how everybody thinks of yeah. you through 16 weeks. They finished as good as anybody. They were hot down the stretch. Yeah. They got it going. And how the hell do you forget about Sam Darnold? I don't know, but – It didn't that long. The dude is a damn phenomenal player. I'll go back to what we talked about prior to the draft. If Sam Darnold was coming out in this draft, where, where would he rank among the quarterbacks? Right there with Burrow. Yeah. Absolutely. And I th but I think people wouldn't think that. Yeah. I, 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 it's yeah, it's that weird was... how people it just switch. Sam Darnold, especially in the, pa like the back half of the year when he came back from Mono, was excellent. Yeah, he was really good. In an, in an offense that everybody is talked about as being not exactly always the best, very friendly for statistics – I mean, we have seen a lot of guys get out of Miami or stay in Miami once Gase left and it improved their numbers. The Jets played really well in the back half of the year. Nobody was paying any attention to it. I, I'm, I don't know. Like, I, I still think Sam Darnold is a franchise-level quarterback, and I, it's just weird that there's this, this – like, it's not that people don't think he's good. There's this hesitation about him. It's almost what happened with, like, Carson Wentz late, late, late in the year last year where there's now this hesitation when you bring up his name, and I don't understand that. I don't think that's deserved. No, maybe they haven't seen enough, right? Because he got hurt and you kind of forget out of sight, out of mind. And then they didn't pay attention to how they finished because they were kind of out of it because of the start. Uh, but you now have some weapons on this team, Jamie. That's a great point. Like I said last year in the preseason, they might have the best defense up the middle of anybody mm -hmm. when they still had Leonard Williams next to Quinn and Williams with Mosley and then Adams in the back end. Mosley gets hurt. Leonard Williams is now gone. They're still solid on defense. And Greg Williams does a hell of a job. They're going to be wild and blitz and all that kind of stuff. They got better, but that offense now has weapons. And Sam Darnold's going to be healthy, and he now has a left tackle. Uh, they're going to be interesting. I mean, that's that division, I think there's going to be some really fun games. I mean, you have the meat and potatoes, wings and blue cheese of Buffalo, which nothing's really that flashy, but they had some flash too, right? I mean, there's the, the least flashy and the most blah, basic vegetable stew of the bunch is the Patriots. It's yeah. going to be really interesting – the other ones all have flash. They all have sizzle. They all got something you want to watch. The Patriots are right now are boring as hell. 
Yeah, it's, it's interesting to say that, right, that that's happened in this division. But I think this is by far and away the best class of this division, right? I think the Jets had a hell of a draft. I think they did a really, really good job. I think the hesitation, I think, is less about Darnold and more maybe about the, the, the media's reaction and how they, people react to Adam Gase. Um, I think there's a lot that has to do with that. Yeah, that's exactly You're on camera. Jake is doing the Adam Gay size because I still it, don't listen, know what the hell that was at that press conference. Listen, it's New York. On top of that, and he is a, a strange bird, putting it nicely. Um, and I think you know, there's the criticism is warranted and justified. Now, if they come out this year and you know their win total seven, they come out. The high points, New England at nine, the, the low points, six and a half with Miami. They come out and win this division. All of a sudden, nobody's making fun of Adam Gase anymore, right? And I think this division is up for grabs. I don't – I think Buffalo's going to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if New York won. Um, I don't think Miami's going to be good enough yet, but who knows? Like, I don't think this – this division is so close to me um, that it makes it so intriguing for the first time in a long time. Cause you usually just look at it and you go, yeah, pick the Patriots to win, move it on. Right. I mean, that's, that's what we've been doing with the AFC East for such a long time. It's not the case this year. It's going to look a lot different. So uh, excitement for, for this division for the, like I said, first time in a long time and a from Jake, you like this draft, Jamie, what are you giving them? I give them an A minus. I really like what they did here. And they, they've got guys, they got impact players. And I think at least two starters right away. Yeah. A lot of excitement. Jets fans should be, should be really happy about how this draft season went for this team. All right. Parting thoughts. We've reached the end of the podcast, finished up with the AFC East, talked about Dak. Uh, I have a feeling that's going to be a uh, weekly segment on the show where we're talking about what the hell is going on in Dallas. But Jake, I'll let you finish up. Final thoughts on today's podcast. I said it when you mentioned it, but I do want to say I like the Joe Flacco signing uh, from the Jets. That adds another veteran, experienced, low-ego guy in Sam Darnold's ear because we talk about Adam Gay stuff. He can get a little squirrely. He can, I think Joe Flacco can keep Darnold, who's always pretty level. He's not a high and low kind of guy anyway. It's the perfect personality, the perfect – if Darnold gets hurt, I think he can still win. But I think he's the perfect dude to add to that room for a million and a half for a one-year deal. Love that. Uh, this division is close. As you said, it's fun for the first time in 18, 19, 20 years to who's going to pull it out. It wouldn't surprise me if any of them win it. I don't think Miami's quite there yet, but man, they were playing hard and playing good down the stretch. They're well coached. It's going to be really, really interesting, but this one's fun. I think everybody in this division got better, except for yeah. the Patriots. I think they got a lot worse, but well, yeah. they're still the Patriots. It's interesting because we're starting to see this division finally turn over. I mean, Buffalo was making that run for a couple of years now to get to the top there. I think the Jets are turning things around. Miami's starting to turn things around. But uh, I think this is going to be close. I think they're all in that kind of six to nine win range. Uh, you know, a lot of like we talked about with the NFC East, but just without the, the teams at the top there. Uh, I just, I don't know. It's any of these teams could win this. I can only really see Buffalo winning maybe one playoff game uh, if they were to win this division. But uh, I, I don't think we're talking about any of these teams too deep in the postseason, but it's going to be interesting because this is really about learning what these teams are. Can Buffalo take advantage of being in a great position to win this division for the first time in ever, it feels like. It's been a long, long time. Can the Jets take that step forward and build off what they did in the second half of the year and emerge as contenders in the AFC maybe one or two years down the road? How quickly do the Dolphins turn things around? And the Patriots have nothing but questions to answer uh, in this year. So it's going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out, even regardless of record, just seeing how all these teams look 
and figuring out what this vision is going to look like in not only 2020, but beyond. Yeah, new look division for sure. I think my parting thoughts here are this is a division that doesn't need double digit wins. This is a division that I think nine and seven gets it done at the end. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I'm not ready to say who it's going to be because there's a lot of question marks when it comes down to what we're going to see across the board for this division. Jamie, how can everybody follow you on social media? You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Jake? At Jake B. Arians. And I'll say, we talk about every team in the NFL, but this division especially is going to depend on health. Yep. You're talking about who's going to win this division is who, who stays healthy and stays together and creates some, some momentum. Is none of these teams can afford a lot of injuries yeah. they're, or they're not going to be able to pull it off. No, that's, that is for sure. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I on both Twitter and Instagram. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, click the favorite button on Spotify so you're staying up on everything that we're doing. Give us a rating and a review. Like I said, we're going to be giving away merchandise so you can get some TD, uh, TDN merch and be a part of the crew. So be sure to send us a screenshot. I got a couple of them from uh, uh, Wednesday's podcast. So I'm starting to compile a list, people. So if you want some free merch, start giving us ratings and reviews and make sure you send them to us on Twitter. And we hope you have a very nice Memorial Day weekend. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.